Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we will be discussing devotions. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay, it's uh, again good to be here with you. And devotions is, is something that oftentimes we, we, we presume we, we know all about and, and that everybody has the same devotions. And again, nothing further from the, that's nothing further than from the truth that, that devotions are all over the place. And historically, when you start to looking at devotions, I, I should first of all say when we talk about devotions, it's, um, you're talking about things like devotions to the sacred heart. Uh, you're talking about, you know, St. Blaise. You're talking about, you know, Ember Days. You're talking about Corpus Christi. You're talking about lots of different things like this that some are universal and, and others are more specifically, you know, geared toward a particular population, a particular background. Uh, for example, when I was growing up, um, when we talked about Our Lady of Guadalupe, is that that to me when I was growing up was nothing but a story it was a fairy tale that was a fairy tale you know it's um it was found in the books it was neat to read about and it was you know uh, wonderful that way but it was a fairy tale uh, it wasn't until much later that I grew in an appreciation of just how significant this devotion you might say to Our Lady of Guadalupe and and how it, it spurred people on, how it touched people's hearts, how it, 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 it spoke to just all sorts of peoples, you know, particularly in, in, in Central America or say Mexico particularly, you know, the, the indigenous peoples there in Mexico, how it, it grew over time and has become more and more significant even in the United States now over the past, you know, couple of decades. But that was lost on me growing up. Now, you want to talk about things that were significant, you would talk about Ember Days and Rogation Days. And I don't know what that, those are. Ember Days and Rogation Days were geared toward the farming community. It was about the spring and it was about the fall, planting and harvest. It was about giving thanks to God. It was about blessing your fields. It was about blessing your produce. It was about asking God for a successful harvest. It was asking God for a successful planting season. Those were realities where you had processions, I can remember, you know, having a, a Eucharistic procession, you know, around the church, you know, for Ember Days and Rogation Days. Those were realities that I grew up with where, as you mentioned, many folks living in, in urban areas or suburban areas wouldn't have a clue what Ember Days or Rogation Days were. But these are all different types of devotion depending upon you know your your background so for example you had a great devotion if you were out of the polish background of our lady of chestahova that was a wonder i mean that was one of those biggies okay um if if you know you if you were uh, other people you know coming out of the european experience for example you would have a great devotion of, of the sacred heart of jesus and then the balance that the Immaculate Heart of Mary. All of these things 
uh, all of these rites and rituals that were part of that because you know you became part of the you know the kind of the legion of of Mary in the sense where you became the you know a member of the Sacred Heart of Jesus Club. Um, I remember being inducted into the uh, Saint Tarsicius group. You were a Tarsician. What is that? You know, that was he was a martyr. You know that you know during the Roman times and he was a martyr and dying because he protected the Eucharist and it was the the legend stories around it have is that as a young boy you know he was taking the Eucharist to the, a family and he died rather than giving it up and rather than letting it be desecrated and as the story goes anyway the story that I heard remember devotions oftentimes can be surrounded by all sorts of legends and such some which are based in truth some not so much, um, but you know the, what I heard is that when then when they they uh, finally killed him and tore open his cloak is that there was nothing in the case where the Eucharist should have been. Uh, you know the whole idea being to help people to grow in their faith, and 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 so many of these devotions when you start to look at them. Um, there was it they evolved throughout history um, some of them have lasted you know for a very very long time others not so much uh, for example I suspect I don't know of any place that still has you know to be enrolled in as a Tarsician you know Saint Tarsicius um, Do you even have, like a cloak or something no but you got a little card oh, okay <laughs> you <laughs> You also had, for example, you know, uh, they still have some, the Immaculate Heart of Mary or the scapulars, wearing the scapulars. Sometimes the scapulars were, uh, depending upon what color they were, uh, the Sacred Heart scapulars were red. You had some out of the Franciscans, they were brown. You had some out of different things, they were green. You had some, uh, you know, connected to Mary, they were blue or white. Again, there is an evolution of what these, and not everybody has the same background in the same devotions. And this is where at times, and, and, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring this forward is that at times we can be rather harsh with one another because you know, you're supposed to act like this because that's what we do and it could be based on a particular devotion and saying, well, that's just not something I, I grew up with. That's just not something this group grew up with. They grew up with different devotions. Again, sometimes these devotions have a little bit more of a universal appeal depending upon how they were promoted by various peoples, uh, but other times not so much. If you go back when we were talking a little bit about the rosary is that, you know, it, what I find sometimes is we can be very harsh because folks will say, you're not a good Catholic unless well, there is no one way to be a good Catholic. You know, some people pray the rosary, some do not. Some people, you know, have the a devotion to St. Tarsicius, <laughs> some do not. Uh, it does not make one a good or bad Catholic. Is that I think what many times these devotions speak to is the fact that our faith tradition, the Catholic tradition, is incredibly diverse, made up of 
millions of people all over the world and each of them bring a little bit of a different flavor you know to to how we gather and pray a lot of times you know what i will I, one of the things i will oftentimes say when somebody tells me well it's always been that way my following comment will at times be that must mean it's been that way for at least 12 hours you know mm -hmm. because we quickly jump to that as opposed to realizing that there is very little when it comes to the Catholic tradition, there's very little that has always been that way. Jesus is Lord is one of those, you know, um, but even, you know, the mass and, and other types of prayer evolve over time and history and space and politics and theologies and, and all sorts of other reasons in between that is that in devotions is one of those one of those elements of the Catholic tradition, again, that speak of evolution, of, of what happens, that speaks of, um, you know, the diversity of our church, that speaks of, you know, the, the, the tremendous grace of what happens when people express their faith in a particular way. And so, again, historically, you look at these, and, and these devotions have been just all over the place, you know, for, for lots of different reasons. Um, so when I look at, for example, devotions, and, and, you know, sometimes we don't think of certain things as devotions. Benediction is a devotion. It's a type of devotion when we, when we expose the Blessed Sacrament. And, and I want to talk in a further date. I want to talk a little bit more specifically about Eucharistic devotions because that has a whole history in and of itself of how it came to be. Mm -hmm. And it had so much to do with theologies and where people were and councils and all sorts of things like that. But the fact is, is that benediction is a devotion. You look at the nine first Fridays, you know, of, of, and of the quote promises that are supposed to be there, you know, that, that if you have the nine first Fridays, you go to mass, you say the prayers <coughs> that you are going to, um, you know, the, the promise by God, you know, that, that somehow you will never die without a priest being present. Facetiously, I will at times say that I would prefer to have an ambulance, but <laughs> okay, you know, in a, but in a time when these devotions were developed and, and, you know, speaks to a time where people maybe didn't have clergy present and and there was the fear of, of dying in sin or not having the, the, the being anointed and 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 that was a real fear for people so when you had a prayer that in some ways would reassure you that you will not die without the sacraments you will not stand before God without you know kind of having your soul cleansed what a tremendous, tremendous reassurance for people that didn't have access to so many of the sacraments. And this was one way. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, people talking about the aspect of, you know, being in the state of grace. Well, what we don't think about is that when you are looking at the nine first Fridays, nine Saturdays. You're so what are, sorry, what are the nine first Fridays? The first Fridays of the month. 
So okay. it's the nine first Fridays of the month, and you can start it at any point in time, but you go to nine first Fridays in, a part, in any particular month. They have to be in a row. Mm. And there was a whole devotion to that. Then there was a whole devotion to the nine first Saturdays. And I'm not sure why not Monday through Thursday, but <laughs> nonetheless. Well, Friday, because of being at the day that the Lord died. You know, Saturday, I'm sure it has a lot to do with the fact of, of Holy Saturday. You know, many of these geared toward, you know, key uh, celebrations during the year, mm -hmm. uh, certainly of Lent and, and of different things. But the idea was, is that if you were spending your time in prayer and you made these Saturdays, so you're talking nine months. Mm -hmm. What wasn't talked about is that you're talking nine months of a habit forming talking nine months of a per person being focused in prayer. Well, if a person is living that way on a regular basis, you know, as far as that goes, is that you are less likely to be engaged in all sorts of sin <laughs> than if, if you are engaged in prayer on these regular, you know, during this regular period of time. And you still have, you know, people making a, a novena to St. Joseph in order to sell your house. <laughs> you know, I mean, these are all over the place. You're talking about St. Blaise, you know, devotion to St. Blaise, the, the, to be protected, you know, from all ailments of the throat and all their, their illness. And so there was a whole... That one I yeah, know. <laughs> there's a whole devotion to that. You're looking at your Lenten devotions, of course, you know, which, which all makes sense. And, and so Stations of the Cross are a devotion. It's a particular time type of prayer. Mm -hmm. um, also, as I mentioned, Ember Days, Rogation Days, you have your 40 hours devotion that for 40 hours straight in many parishes, this was very popular for a long time, for 40 hours straight, the Blessed Sacrament was exposed and, you know, you were, uh, during these 40 hours, you'd start with Mass usually, you would end with Mass, and during this time you would have scripture readings, you'd have music, you would have uh, you know, private prayer, you would have talks by various people. Usually you'd kind of bring in a big name to make, give a couple of talks. But this was a, usually on a parish basis, this was a real focus. I mean, to engage in this was really you know, important. And many times you'd even have the bishop out for these things. Wow. You know, because this was a, a concentrated time of prayer for a par parish. Now, it might be for, um, you know, it, it might be for a particular, could be for a building project, you know, it could be for uh, a particular, uh, the health of somebody that they, that was key in the parish or a child, let's say. I know that, for example, in the parishes in Waukesha, we had a 40 hour devotion about, you know, as we began this whole process of the parishes working together in, in Waukesha. Um, it is that you have a lot of different reasons behind these things a concentrated focused time of prayer and you know sometimes for a particular cause other times simply so that people grow in prayer i know 40 hours for example on the on 1999 the year moving into the year of 2000 <laughs> you know that it would be a, a new you know a new century Oh, not be... for Y2K? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. Okay. Oh, no, no. That, for yeah. a good century. Yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, so it's, and, and what's, what's interesting about these is that these are oftentimes geared 
in private prayer. Some of them, for example, like the Sacred Heart devotions, they have a bit more of a universal appeal, but that was very much uh, promoted through uh, Mary Alacoque, uh, Mar Margaret Mary Alacoque, who was eventually uh, named a saint, is that uh, supposedly, as, as reported, there, were, um, there was a, a revelation by God you know, to her. Um, you have devotions to Lourdes. You have devotions to Fatima. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, is that with, with any number of these, again, is these are, are rooted in usually private revelations. It does not mean, again, that they are not important. Some of them have proved to have greater effect than others. But I don't have to believe in any of them. I mean, I am not required to have a personal devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. It may speak to a truth, but there are a lot of other things that may speak to the same truth. These are rooted oftentimes in a tradition, a culture, a nation, a particular time in, in, in the world. For example, any number of devotions grew up and became stressed during World War I, during World War II, big time with devotions and that makes sense because you had all of these people that had fathers sons you know fighting across the seas having no idea whether they would come back or not and these devotions helped to focus them in prayer saying you know please lord protect my loved ones give me the strength to deal with what i have to deal with protect the nation protect the world. And so you had all sorts of devotions, particularly, for example, you would have uh, added to the rosary, let's say, you would have added devotional prayers that pray for the end of communism, uh, pray for the end of socialism, pray for the end of the war. And you had this whole group of prayers that, that would be said after the rosary. Uh, these are all devotional prayers. You do not hear many of these prayers being done anymore. Again, it's a different time and place, but they evolve. The rosary still is around, certainly, but the devotions and such that added to it evolve over time and space. So devotions really can help us, you know, to, fo again, focus. And even with, again, when I, I've talked about, you know, the, the Second Council, is that in the Second Council, they didn't ignore the devotions and saying they're not important. They did bring them back into a better, I would say, healthier balance. That, you know, these, these devotions, you know, certainly were spoken of a way to, um, you know, to help us engage in, in going to Mass, help us engage, you know, experiences of God in any number of ways. And so as opposed to being perceived as magical and sometimes they were perceived pretty much more magical than anything else is that bringing it back and rooting it into a real sense of faith a sense of belief and trust you know in in the lord jesus and and that no matter how things necessarily worked out is that somehow jesus was still actively engaged in it and part of it that because something did not necessarily work out the way we had hoped, or maybe our prayer was not answered in the way that we had hoped, didn't mean that our prayer was not answered. It simply was answered in a different way. Mm -hmm. And 
what these devotions can help us to do now, and even the way some of these prayers are done, is they can help us to recognize that, you know, how we are to be open to the mysterious, mysterious ways of God, rather than somehow thinking that if God does not answer it this way, then God has simply not listened. Again, nothing can be farther from the truth. These devotions and the types of devotions that we have can help us to, you know, to, to reorient ourselves, to, to, to refocus ourselves and to, and to see that, you know, uh, as, as another way that God continues to uh, speak to us. Now, devotions, no matter what really devotions they are, they are rooted into some basic principles. And, and you can have a sense of whether they're authentic or not. You know, really, what are we talking about? You know, uh, depending on how these principles are somehow, you know, rooted. For an example, um, these devotions always need to be somehow Trinitarian. Is that they are mediated by Christ. Is that we do not... You know, have a devotion, for example, to Mary without bringing Jesus into the picture. We do not adore Mary, you know, as sometimes we are accused of, is that Mary, no matter which title she goes by, and there are hundreds of titles that Mary go by, mm -hmm. go, goes by, is that Mary always, always, always draws us back to the Lord. Always, it's always Trinitarian. If you have a devotion that's way out there and doesn't bring us back to the Lord, run as fast as you can because it's not genuine so it's always trinitarian it's that also it's not individualistic in the sense that it brings us back to who we are as church always brings us back to the community is that devotions are never about me and jesus is that me it's me and jesus and the community it's, you know, again, going back to Trinitarian, but also the communal piece to it. Always has to have a communal piece. It is not individualistic that if I pray this and I, then I will get this and the heck with everybody else. It has to bring us back, bring us back to a sense of the community. Uh, or as official language, there's an ecclesial piece to it, <laughs> which means the community. Always official. Yeah. Is that scriptural? There's, it's, there's always a sense of, of, of somehow it being rooted in the scriptures. When you look at, you know, Sacred Heart of Jesus, Lourdes, Fatima, all of these different devotions, and even, you know, our Lady of Guadalupe, those, is it brings us back to the sacred scriptures. Always brings us back there. Is that if it somehow is, is, is uh, separated from the sacred scriptures, and is somehow doesn't have some foundational pieces in that, again, it's, it is not uh, genuine. And, and then finally, you know, the, the last principle would be is that there's always in many ways a liturgical piece to it. <clears throat> it reflects the sacramental life of who we are, and it reflects the liturgical calendar that we spoke about just a short time ago, is that these, so oftentimes these devotions are rooted, you know, Marian devotions are rooted in the liturgical calendar where, where for example, we speak of May. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, in the month of May <laughs> where we speak of Mary. Is that, so there's, there's a liturgical piece, even in the rituals that we, we use, that the rituals may include, for example, the Eucharist, 
may include a benediction of some sort, may include, you know, blessings of some sort, is that there's always a liturgical piece to it. So those really are the, the four principles that any authentic and genuine devotion, and if you look at our, the biggies, you know, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, you look at uh, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, uh, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, all, these kinds of, they always have, it's, it's Trinitarian, it's ecclesial, it's scriptural, and it's liturgical. They all have these parts to it. <clears throat> Sometimes they are the, uh, there are objects that are, you know, part of this <clears throat> that, uh, that help to focus us. And it can be, you know, from, you can have pictures, uh, scapulars, uh, scapulars are, you know, the two oftentimes square cloth, you know, with a little prayer in, and they go uh, over the head. They're on both sides. That goes over the head. Mm -hmm. You have metals, different types of metals. Um, so there are different types. You could be a, a, a relics. It could be different kinds of things that uh, help us to focus. And and you might say and sign us, you know, might sign us as those who have this faith tradition. You will fee, again see this in different, uh, different cultures. Polish culture is one that oftentimes will have scapulars and such. You also have uh, the Latino uh, cultures oftentimes will have scapulars where they will, you know, maybe a rosary, it may be a scapular, it may be a medal. But in many cultures, you know, you will have uh, these types of things that will speak to a devotion, you know. As I mentioned before, Saint Tarsisius, <laughs> we had a card that we we were a card-carrying member <laughs> of the Tarsisians, you know. And you know, it's wh why it was in there. Who knows? Who knows how it got to climb in the center of the universe? <laughs> I guess, but somehow it did, and it was one of those things that captured your imagination as a child. You know, because you were you were going to be willing to do exactly what he did and protect the Eucharist at all costs. Again, it's it's who knows where that all comes from, but it certainly captured our imaginations. Sure. You know, and uh, it was some one of those things that we were proud to be part of. That you know, um, we didn't understand it fully, but we knew that somehow with this by being a member, somehow we were blessed in a special way. And we believe that we 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 embrace that, and it, it probably helped us to be, you know, a decent human being, probably <laughs> a little bit more than maybe otherwise. Who knows? <clears throat> the idea, though, you know, when you're talking about uh, devotional objects or objects of devotion, is that these were not to be um, somehow, um, you know, idle types of things. These were not these were not magical talismans. Um, these were things that helped us to focus back to Jesus, always back to Jesus. Um, these were things that helped us to see the presence of God in our world. They were not magic. Um, they were reminders. They helped to bring a focus. Uh, it, what's interesting, you know, when it comes to devotions, and, and this is something that, that I did not know, um, is that... There, there was an official time where, 
you know, the portraying of Jesus's face was not really allowed or not encouraged. Now, that came out of the Jewish tradition, of course, where, you know, God was not to be named. You were certainly not to use the, the name of God. You know, that was only done once a year by the, by the head, by the head uh, high priest. Um, certainly no images, and that's, that holds today for many of the, you know, uh, Middle East areas and religious traditions where there is no, uh, you do not have an image of God. But it was in uh, the Council of Nicaea, the Second Council of Nicaea, uh, in 787. Long where, time ago. Long time ago, where there was of, official recognition of the legitimacy of portraying the face the image of Jesus and the reason was is that he was human he mm. was fully human and as someone who was fully human of course there could be an image because he existed in time and space and as a human being Interesting. fully divine fully human you can't say that about you know in a sense in the same way about God and the spirit and all of mm -hmm. that but Jesus you could and so it was at that time where there was an official okay, you might say. Well, once that happened, you might think of the, you know, kind of the whole issue of devotion just exploded, <laughs> you know, because now we could grasp. And what's interesting, and even with Mary, too, and uh, that the official okay didn't apply to Mary as much as to Jesus specifically, is that how Jesus is portrayed, how Mary is portrayed, depends on the culture. You know, with the features of mm -hmm. uh, because the the devotions, the recognition, the identifying with is so universal. Is that you know, an indigenous peoples here will will portray Mary as indigenous. The uh, peoples over here will portray Jesus with these kinds of features, or Mary with these kinds of features, because they are so universal that people identify them not just as this was a Middle Eastern woman and a Middle Eastern man. These are people they identify with on a universal basis. And so the images then come out in lots of different ways. And, and so different people will have a particular image of, and I, I, you know, when I think about that myself, that, you know, I have a, images from, you know, from Guatemala, from Haiti, from, you know, different places that portray Jesus, portray Mary in different ways. And it helps, for me anyway, it helps me not to get stuck in, this, in a way of saying, Mary has to be like this, Mary has to be like that, Jesus has to, when, no, this, this is universal. And devotions help us with that too. Um, the, um, uh, but a, as I mentioned before though, is that devotions really, uh, different types of devotions speak to people in different ways all over the world. And, and there was a part a time, you know, when I thought, gosh, if I had enough time and money, I would love, I would love to be able to, you know, go to these different places and find these images because, you know, it just, it would say something about how this people connects with God. Mm -hmm. One of the books that, oh gosh, I read this, it's called The Sparrow. And, and I often thought that I was born way too soon. I, my, my, my ideal job would be the chaplain on the USS Enterprise in Star Trek. <laughs> 
that would be my ideal job. And yes. one of the reasons why was that because how and and they do you know look at this in Star Trek series is that images of God, images of the divine, and how that comes across, and it also reflects on how we saw that in our own culture. You know that, mm -hmm. but the Sparrow is about uh, the Jesuits who are space travelers and they go to a particular planet and it's struggling with a particular image of God. And really, we could do almost the same thing. And it must have been something similar. When you think of when world travel started and people were sailing, first of all, they thought the world was flat. People sailing all over the world, never knowing whether they would return or not. But the stories they came back with of, of what the images of God must have been like. Now, unfortunately, because of an understanding, we thought they were pagan, you know, but not necessarily so. But that these were images of, of, of a one God, you know, a, a singular God, a mm -hmm. uh, creator, and they called the God by different names and such. But, you know, again, because of time and history and such. However, what it must have been like to, to discover what some of these folks what they worshipped and how they worshipped, many of them, you know, uh, a singular God. They, they were not pagans, you know. These were not gods of the dirt and gods of the tree. This was a one universal God. When I think of Native American cultures, a singular God. Mm -hmm. And how they portrayed that God. In many ways, devotions reflect a lot of that. And uh, so devotions play, continue to play, and did play in some ways a much had a much more powerful part in it years ago but they still continue to play a part and it's it's wonderful because it can open people up to the fact that there are just possibilities and ways of looking at God that we haven't even yet thought of devotions have a lot to offer us and and I look forward to kind of going into a few of those <laughs> because some of those played a much larger role in, in our faith tradition than others did, but yet they are devotions and, and uh, developed in coming out of a particular life and circumstance and people's faith tradition. Yeah, so because there's so many, if you don't like one that you know of, go search for another one. I mean, really, <laughs> in, in a way that, that's very true. And, and in each of them, you'll find those similar elements. Mm -hmm. They'll simply say it a different way, but you'll find those similar elements. And, you know, the, the principles before is that know what you're looking at. Research it a little bit so you understand it. But there are all sorts of expressions out there that, that uh, for people to explore and people to come to, to grips with. Very interesting. All right, we're going to leave it there at this time. Um, hope you enjoyed that, and we will see you next time.